Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I have a brief news update, really brief, because I'm going to need to run down here and get some coffee here in a second. But um, one token that I've, I've covered it before, and it's had a significant update as of recent, um, that's Dogezilla. Dogezilla had its CERTIC audit completed. The CERTIC audit, as I'm a former auditor. For those that didn't hear past episodes, I am a former auditor, and so I can, and plus I work code, um, as a trade after the fact. So I was able to look at the results and kind of interpret what it was that they were calling out as concerns. And most of those are not, in my opinion, major concerns. However, there was a couple, there were a couple things that stood out as optimization opportunities. Plus there was one thing I would say, yes, we definitely want to address that one. But other than that, it's a significant, significant achievement for them to have done uh, get the CERTIC audit completed, considering the nature of the project. Again, I talked about it when I covered Dogezilla in the previous episode. Make sure you go back and listen to that if you're listening to this today, because I'm going to be putting this on social media this morning. Make sure that you are hearing this, um, the previous update on Dogezilla, because again, I, I went copious about the site, and I felt their white papers the best in the business. Now I say that, and of course, <laughs> I got usurped by a different token that I've been following that sent me a white paper that wasn't linked and it's even better than Dozilla. But regardless, Dozilla was a very impressive looking project on the surface and I didn't see any concerns on the surface. And it was strange that you have a project with a logo like that and yet it seems like it's underrated, I guess is the best way to describe it. So the fact that they applied for the CERTIC audit, number one, is significant, but number two, they're already on exchanges. Um, they're already um, out there. They're getting the word out there. They're getting more people to buy in, and they actually have solid traffic. And it does have its ups and downs because depending on how much you invest, you could easily drop a zero within seconds, and then people are cashing out, of course, because there's strong profit to be made this early in the process. But kudos to the Dogezilla team for going through the process for the CERTIC audit, getting it completed, and coming out, and they didn't have any criticals on there. There were two majors, and honestly, one of them I didn't consider major myself, but I understand why they treated it as major. And then one of them that I would personally consider major, they acknowledged all the findings on the report, so hopefully that will turn into tangible actions for them to um, make some corrections. And they've already committed that they're going to work through um, some of the new stuff that they've been working on that's been announced on the site. So I'm excited for Dogezilla now. I've kind of switched myself into bullish mode. If you have not looked into Dogezilla, I implore you to because you can invest a small amount of money, which I always tell you that you should, and reap some strong rewards. Um, they are going to have their next burn in early January or possibly mid-January. And that's a what they do is kind of bulk burns, and then they're kind of weekly type things after that. So there's going to be some strong price movement when all of this happens. Um, there are also some things that they've looked at. They do have reflections, but there's things that they looked at in terms of rewards and staking. So I honestly, I'm treating it now that this has come out potentially as a one of these long-haul projects where there's a high probability, just like with the early days of Sib and Satama and others, where you're just before a number of zeros being dropped. So that's Dogezilla. If you want to look them up, check them out, see if there's going to be something that appeals to you that makes it worth adding to your diverse portfolio and again i wanted to make sure it's truly a diverse portfolio so i'm not suggesting that you yolo into it i would strongly say don't yolo into it i'm saying consider putting some money into it and just kind of let it sit there and ignore it 
maybe, you know, at this point, you could probably put like five or ten dollars. Five dollars is going to get you a pretty good amount of tokens, but maybe ten dollars just so you have a nice even number. Watch the reflections flow in there and then just ignore it. Like, don't even stare at it because it's going to have high ups and downs just because it's early in the process and they do have a lot of zeros inherent in that token. So it's up to you if you want to do it, but I strongly recommend it personally. In other news, the Polygon token, aka or formerly known, I guess, FKA as the Matic token, um, has done a run early this morning. And I mentioned Polygon before when I talked about the Imperium token, which I'll cover here in a second. Uh, the Matic token, the Polygon network is starting to gain some traction because it's, of course, a less expensive alternative to all things Ethereum. And more of these tokens are starting to spin up on the Polygon network, as I mentioned. Um, if you were to get onto the Polygon network, there's a lot you need to watch out for. As I said before, there happens to be a lot of spams out there. Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are sending airdrop tokens. However, what I've learned is that apparently there are certain functions in when you deploy the Polygon where it's actually enticing you to do some of these airdrops um, so that you can appeal to different customers. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. I mentioned that before with some of the scam tokens that were out there, but I also talked about Zeta Reality, which is not Polygon. This may start to become a thing, and that's why I wanted to get ahead of it to tell you that I still believe that you should be extremely cautious and skeptical of an airdrop, not just because of the the scam part of it, but also the, you know, what's in it for me, what's in it for you thought process that should go through your mind. You should always be skeptical of free because usually there's not anything free However, in this case, the motivation for some of these companies might simply be notoriety. One person I spoke to talked about, a developer talked about the fact that, you know, he had launched a token on the Ethereum network. He had a hard time getting any sort of buy-in on it, and it was just so much money and so much time and nothing really to show for it. He eventually abandoned the token, and he thought this was a unique way to kind of get the word out, and perhaps that was, maybe he was one of the ones that got the Zeta reality token and said, hmm, that's a good idea. I'm saying this because you might see more of these. If you're in Trust Wallet, you're never going to see them. You'd have to have known that they're there. If you're curious about the kind of tokens that you might have sitting in your wallet that you're not aware of, you'll need to add um, on PooCoin, add your wallet, connect it there, and then PooCoin will show you exactly what it is that it has a, a concern You know, with these tokens. By name, you'll see the obvious ones, and then you'll see ones where you only got like one coin or 100 coins or some small number, and the price is actually reasonable. These are the ones that are less likely to be scams. The ones that are scams, obvious, it's like something something.io or something something.org, and it's like sends you 50,000 coins, and it's like $70,000. Those are obvious scams. Then I want to cover an underdog token. Uh, this underdog token, in all full disclosure, was similar to Zeta Reality in the sense that it was airdropped to me without my knowledge. And I looked at the token only because I was on PooCoin. And in PooCoin, of course, it shows you everything that you have inside of the wallet address, even the stuff that you don't see by default in Trust Wallet. So that's the only way I was able to know that there was something there. When I looked at the token... I saw that the value was basically like four cents. And so I, from this, it told me there was something else going on here. Um, it was a thousand coins. And so that's not an insignificant number of coins, but it all depends on other factors, right? So I decided to look a little bit deeper into it, try to figure out what the heck was going on. 
Uh, it's on the Polygon Network, and its name, the official name is Mega Doge. And the Mega Doge, this is one where this project decided to do what Zeta Reality did, which was to simply find all the addresses. They, I think they sent them to all addresses on the Polygon blockchain, and they just airdropped 1,000 coins to each and every one of them. And then, of course, immediately, if you were to check on Polygon Scan, you see that a bunch of people are screaming that it's a scam. What inspired me to dig deeper is that the developer chimed in and decided to respond and say, look, this is what happened. This is why I did this. I'm working on a project, but you know, I needed to do some sort of gimmick, frankly, to get awareness out about this token. And so this was the only way I knew that would at least work to get people talking about the project because as, as I talked further to this guy, it was clear that he had been frustrated. He was very upset with the Ethereum network and he didn't feel confident about Ethereum as, a, as the network of choice. And so he decided to spin up a new token. He had had one on Ethereum that he abandoned, it seemed like. So that's a flag. But then he said, um, I set up on Polygon because Polygon, it's cheaper for people to buy. It's cheaper for people to get into it. It's cheaper for me to mint it. All of this is true. And I think there's something to this Polygon thing where I just figured I would just go deep into it. There's a couple of mechanics on the site. If you were to look at the site, there's a couple of mechanics that call that stand out to me. Uh, number one, they have the, um, it's deflationary, but it's not sending reflections to people. What they planned to do was to create pairs, liquidity pairs, and then you would stake and build a liquidity pair of your token. And in exchange, you would get a different token, which is called dogmatic token. So as a government's, the dogmatic token is also available. The dogmatic token is a different token in the same network. And the dogmatic token is being traded. And the, the other one is as well on various exchanges, SushiSwap, QuickSwap, ApeSwap. These are all major exchanges. Um, there's no mainstream exchanges at this point, so I can't advocate for this. But as I'm looking deeper into the tokenomics, a lot of thought was at least put into it. He does not have a white paper, which is something if, I do, I'm going to share this out, and if he's listening, I do think that's something that would be to his advantage because I think his distribution method caused people to initially treat it as a scam. And frankly, the naming of what it was, he has a .org on it, that's going to make people think it's a scam as well. And then the motivation. From his word, he simply wanted to send it out, do something nice, and plus it helps the project because basically it's a burn. Similar, if you think about the um, Vitalik nonsense with other tokens you're essentially quote burning them because at that point they're being held in a place and people may not even know about them like you might have the vast majority of people who have those addresses that never touch the polygon network again maybe they touched it the first time to try to try it out and then ignored it after that and then if they're set up on trust wallet they don't even see them if you're on coinbase wallet you'd have to have selected the polygon network to even see those and so on so I, the thought process is sound which is that the tokens are out of the circulation, quote unquote, they're not, but they quote unquote are because you have these wallets that may never exist again and they're just eternally held. So they might as well be dead wallets is the thought process that he's describing this. And there's a logic to this because if these tokens truly are essentially quote lost, meaning that they never will re-enter circulation, it tends to increase the value over time. If he's able to sustain then that performance, and keep everything going up, then I don't see a reason why it could not eventually succeed. And then you might have people who, by no action of their own, 
end up with a lot of money on the back end. So I dug a little bit deeper into the PooCoin, you know, kind of the graphs and charts, and I saw a significant amount of buy-sell activity, more than what I would have expected. The token was originated, looks like, early-ish, possibly mid-ish November. Yep, possibly early, mid-ish November, or even late October. Looks like it's going more than that. It's still loading. So it's it's been around for a bit. It's not brand spanking new. Um, it's been around for a bit. Looks like October, uh, early-ish October. It's been around for a bit. Didn't have any traction at all. No movement, no nothing. And then we had the the airdrops that it did. And, of course, it spiked the value. And there was some sell-off activity. Um, the volume has remained low, primarily because nobody knows about it yet. This is the key I'm talking about. So it was able to drop a zero. I'm looking at the chart. It was able to drop a zero through no real action of anybody of any significance because nobody knows that they're there in the wallet, which is essentially equivalent to a burn, which resulted in a significant volume spike, very similar to what we saw with Zeta Reality. So I said before that there could be something to this, you know, airdropping for the increase of the holder counts and burning when there's people that don't sell it, right? They're just holding it. And so now your circulating supply is affected, which of course affects the price of your token when it goes on the on the exchange or the DEX rather. The only thing that would have been a concern to me, it wasn't a concern. I ran the token sniffer and it wasn't a concern for them, but it's a concern for me, is it's got less than 100,000 market cap. That's okay because it's early. But when I look at the Liquidity pools, I mean, collectively, it's on four different, or actually a lot of different pools. Um, SushiSwap, it's on different, uh, QuickSwap, SushiSwap, uh, and then there's AnySwap, I think is the other one. I don't see a lot of liquidity there. Like, there's less total, if I calculate all of it, there's less than $2,000 of liquidity. So I'm not sure if that's intentional, meaning that they didn't intend for any additional liquidity until they saw that this was moving, because Unless you have some sell behavior um, that's that's causing the liquidity to go down, I'm not seeing anything from the graph that would explain why the liquidity is so low. However, he did indicate that he put a, thousands into it. So it could simply be that there's something else that I'm not seeing in the graph that would explain it. For example, when I look at SushiSwap, the F number, Ethereum, number that I'm seeing in this, which would be 1%, that's 50 bucks, at current prices for Ethereum, so that's accurate. SushiSwap has a USD coin, and it's got $50 worth of that, um, roughly $70 on QuickSwap and so on, so the math checks out. And then there's more Matic than anything else, which makes sense, that's the Polygon token, makes sense. So I don't see anything wrong with the math, it just doesn't make sense in terms of how much is there versus how much I would expect to be there in order to sustain necessary volume. So I'm assuming that this particular developer just either underestimated the, the demand um, or that the demand isn't enough to warrant adding more to the liquidity pool because I'm not sure where the extra liquidity would come from at this point because there's no mechanic that would replenish the liquidity pool from anything. Like if you took and on a recurrent basis did a burn and then you took the profit from the burn and then you put it back in the liquidity pool, I see none of that. So that's a risk I would call out is where are you getting your additional liquidity? How are you increasing the liquidity pool? What are you? What is your mechanic to make sure that the liquidity pool stays strong and healthy? Again, Token Sniffer didn't seem to see this as a concern, and that may simply be because of the current price and the volume because the volume is extremely low. We're talking less than 100. There's not hardly anybody transacting this thing. 
but there are people that are selling it. So there's a lot more sales than purchases, but the growth is still sustained because of, again, you send it to hundreds of thousands of wallet addresses and only a fraction of them even know that it's there because the wallet's not showing it to them. So it's helping to sustain the value by way of the fact that people are holding it without really realizing they're holding it. And the only way you'd know it was there is if you're kind of on the intermediate trading scale where you need to look for it or you were listening to a podcast like mine telling you, you might look in your trust wallet and try to enable it. Now, if you're curious to know if you have this token, again, the easiest way to do this is to simply navigate to poocoin.app. At the top, you're going to select Polygon Matic. It's next to the logo. And you're going to need to connect your wallet. It's safe to do this. Just make sure you don't do any trading or anything. It's actually a safe tool. I'm just saying for the purposes of what we're doing, stay focused. So you connect your wallet. And after you connect your wallet, it's going to show you a list of all the coins that your wallet address has that's ever received. Now, I say ever received, including the ones that are zero. So you're going to see ones that you might have sold or they sent them to you and then took them back or whatever happened. So those you can ignore. There's a little toilet icon off to the right. You can click that and it gets rid of those. So you only want to focus on the rest that has an, a value of some kind. Invariably, if you've gotten at least one of these, you're going to see at the top it says like abkr.org or some other .org address. This one I'm talking about is megadoge.org. And again, I'm saying from what I've seen and what I've heard from the developer and all of the mechanics that they are trying to work on, I don't see this as a scam. I see this as an unfortunate situation of a frustrated developer that felt he had no other recourse to try to get people's eyes on the project. And unfortunately, it even wasn't successful because he still doesn't have the value that he wants. Even after it's been out for a couple months yet, he still doesn't have the value he wants. Most of that's because it's on the Polygon network. It's not anything he's doing wrong that I can see. The Polygon network, nobody knows about it predominantly it's not used especially in the united states so it'll be a hard sell to get people on board with it until i mean like it, it's he's kind of ahead of the game i think with ethereum and the gas fees and everything else people are looking for other options and rightfully so when you do nfts nft minting is largely moving to polygon but it's a slow process there are still people that are minting on ethereum i just had a situation the other day where there was an nft that i could afford it was right in my budget it was like seven dollars but there was an open offer from a financial services company for like $500 for this thing. And it was declined and I could have bought it, but because it's on Ethereum, I would have ended up paying $300 in gas fees just to be able to get the Ethereum in there, you know, to be able to do the transaction. That's not sustainable. And I submit that your low level people are not going to do that. Whereas if that thing had been on the phantom network, which is where the financial services company was on, I'd have paid no fees, but because the NFT was minted on regular Ethereum, I can't buy it at the price they want, and I can't use the currency I already have, which is already Polygon. It's, it's a convoluted situation. Suffice it to say that we've got issues with the very networks and with frustration with gas fees. Consumers like myself and these orgs don't want to pay gas just to be able to transact. But a lot of these minters that are out there are so embedded in Ethereum that's just the, that's all they know, and so they haven't moved away from it. I suspect this is one of the developers that's really ahead of the game where they've gotten away from Ethereum and said, let's try something else, just like the Imperium token, which is also going up. I think they're just ahead of the game. They're ahead of it, and if you have a stake in some Polygon token, I suspect at some point in the future we're going to see those really take off. 
The other thing is there's less adoption from places like Coinbase, and I talked about this with the Binance chain. When you don't have those adoption points from major exchanges that people actually care about, it's harder to justify it. Now, if Mega Doge is able to get on any exchange, even Ghetto Indoex, any of them, that will increase its credibility, it'll increase visibility, and it'll make it easier to do the transactions. And I happen to know that there are exchanges out there that do support Polygon-based tokens because I've done Polygon-matic trading just to get into Imperium. I believe I used Gate.io on that one, but I would implore the developer, again, I'll share this out and hopefully he hears this, I'll share the developer to encourage him to see if you can get on an exchange. And I know that's hard because there's market cap requirements and holder counts. But with the holder counts that you have, you should be able to convince it, at least one of the ghetto ones to kind of get on board. And then once you do that, I think it'll be easier. It'll be an easier sell. And you might even have contributing help once you start spreading social media and other platforms. Now, I also suspect, and I'll wrap this up about Mega Doge. I suspect that it's even though it's been out a couple of months, what I see from the Polygon-based tokens is that they're taking more of a slow burn approach to growth. They're not trying to rush it. They're not trying to jump into anything, and they're not trying to, you know, tank the token unfairly. And this one's had very healthy, steady upwards growth, which is a very positive sign, right? Same with Imperium. And so I'm not criticizing if that's their approach and their mentality. I'm not criticizing it. I also think, though, that at some point, certain people will want to see some return on their investment, including the developer, right? He put a lot of time and work into a project. It's clear he did from the, from the documentation that is there. So here's my list of things I would suggest for him to try to help the token get to the next level, even in a slow and burst situation. Number one, you need a white paper. I understand the light paper is kind of this fancy thing and everybody likes it as far as the you know, it's simple. Dumb it down, right? Keep it stupid simple. Great. I, you don't have that either. So put something out there, if only a light paper, but I prefer to see a white paper. Talk, Tell the story. I will gladly break down how my rubric works as a starting point of what you should think about when you put that paper together. And ultimately, the rubric that I designed should help you build the light paper and the white paper and the to the point that the light paper wouldn't even be needed because if you do it right, your white paper should be dumb simple for anybody to consume. At the same time, it should be technical enough to understand the what's and the why's and the who's and the where's and what's going on with the project in the future. Like, where do you see this thing going? And what's, what's tell us about the motivations. The other thing I'll call out is that the site itself is a far cry from any other project site you'd ever seen. It is very simple. I could have built it myself uh, 30 some odd years ago when I was on an Apple PC I can, or Apple computer, I can guarantee you it didn't take a lot to put that together. That's not a bad thing from my perspective, but we've now set a precedent, unfortunately, in the crypto community that you have to have this flashy, modernized looking web in order to be considered credible. And so if you were to be screened for that site, you get all sorts of flags about the way that it's designed. What I'm suggesting is not that you do one of those templates, but you might want to look at Fiverr.com or something else to bring on somebody that can just simply create a cleaner template, something that's a little bit more visually appealing, something that's mobile-friendly and accessible as well. I'd like to see that out of this project as well. The final thing I would call out is try to get on an exchange, any exchange, just one. I understand the push for decentralization. I support it. However, I think being on an exchange is important 
And now that you have so many people already existing hold for the token, I don't think there's a significant negative impact that could happen. It's possible, but I doubt it. There's only 2 billion tokens. So it's, you know, so it's not like you can really do any significant damage on this thing. Um, and I see strong price potential. If it's truly a legitimate project with a legitimate developer, I see a strong profit potential on this. I'm going to pitch it somewhere around Q3 of 2022 that I see if he does it right, that he could be sitting on some gold as with all people holding it. And then you have a bunch of people not knowing that they're holding gold, um, which is unfortunate for them, but great for everybody else that does know about it. So I will tell you that's listening, please check into Mega Doge. It's megadoge.org. You feel free to check poocoin.app and change it to Matic and see if you've been dropped this token. I'm not telling you what to do from there. I will tell you this. If you are in any way skeptical of what you see, I'm just telling you check the site first before you act. But if you're skeptical at what you see, don't touch it. Ignore it. Remove it from view and move on about your business. I am not advocating that you buy it. I'm not advocating you do anything other than research it. If you are in any way skeptical, don't touch it. Don't approve it. Don't do any transactions with it. Now, on the flip side, if this token happens to be sitting in a wallet that's safe, meaning it doesn't have any other tokens that you're trading, there's no real risk, maybe it's only got like $2 in there and you don't care, hey, have at it. Because maybe one day you look at it and it's sitting at $10,000, right? And you have no other risk. There's nothing else in this wallet. It's just an abandoned wallet. Then you can take the risk because what are you out? $2 or $1 or whatever's in there. I'm talking about if you have other critical tokens that you actually care about, don't touch it if you're not confident, if you're not convinced by my message and you're not convinced by the site because you should make the decision, not me, then don't touch it. Just ignore it and go on about your business because I'm not going to advocate even I'm not certain whether it's a scam or not. And fortunately, I'm in a position where I can just let it marinate. I don't have to care about it and just ignore it and watch it, watch the graphs and kind of keep an eye on it and then circle back. And if I see that they've passed a CERTIC audit and they do all these other steps to grow the project or take some of my suggestions, like get on an, uh, an exchange, then at that point I can say, all right, cool. Well, I got a thousand free and I didn't have to do anything. And I just had to wait and watch it and support them from a distance, you know, like Bette Midler from a distance and so that's kind of what i'm telling you is do your own research figure out what you want to do and make your own decision for your own portfolio and then the last point that i'll just cover really quick because um, i'm already at almost at time but really really fast i need coffee and this next update is inspired by um, recent activities with tokens and i, I covered in other podcast entries about we're, we're in a bear season right we're we're Near Christmas, people are cashing out to buy Christmas presents. Plus, they're getting close to tax season. So there's a lot of there's a lot of depression, quote unquote, within the crypto space, and people are freaking out. You know, it's a chicken little situation, and it's all over the place. It's not any one token. It's not your project. People don't like your project, or it's a scam, or nothing's happening that's specific to you. It's a bear season from my perspective. It's a bear season. People are not actively transacting as you would expect. And it caused me to think that people may not realize when I say bear season and I say that this, I don't, there's nothing to worry about. And what's really driving this? Like there's an assumption, a faulty assumption that it's all about people just selling. They're just selling and that's all it is. And let me explain how more complex it is because it's hard to see it because you're not on exchange. If you're not staring at an exchange graph all day long and if you're on a phone, you're not. 
which is why I don't like mobile-only interfaces. I like having a computer because it's easier to see what's going on. Let me just explain briefly what's happening. In order for a token to have any movement of a significant kind, it has to have volume. Volume is represented by the buy and the sell activity. However, when you have sell activity through exchanges, you can place limit orders and you can select the price that you want to sell it at. Some people sell for higher than the market. Some people sell for lower than the market. I called out the example about the game Mule from NES and prior, and that's a great representation of what I'm talking about. You have a supply of X and you choose to sell it for Y because you need to get rid of it, right? Or because you're trying to generate a profit and free up money to potentially buy something else. That game, let me just say this. If you have a chance to emulate that game, it might even be on archive.org. Check it out. If you have a chance to emulate that game, I strongly recommend you play it because I can't stress to you enough how relevant that game is when you're dealing with crypto trading. Like people don't understand. It's it's almost perfect in what it was before its time, way before its time in what it was doing and how you were doing what it's doing. So I'm strongly, strongly encouraging that you get your chance to play this game if you don't want to be bothered with the graphics and, you know, you're used to the Call of Duties of the world or, you know, you're whatever, then at least watch a long play of it on YouTube and make sure you're watching the NES version. Don't watch that garbage Android version. And I think the Atari version is going to turn you off, but watch the NES version. The game's Mule, M.U.L.E. Watch that game. Play it, please. If you play it, I would I would respect you more, but I understand if you don't want to play it. But at least watch a long play of it and just watch the behavior of what's happening. The, the transactions of I have X and I want to put it up for sale for Y. And then I use Y in order to, you know, get either get money because I want to buy something else or I'm trying to sell at a loss because I need to get rid of it. And the different motivations of when and why you sell are critically important. Once you wrap your head around Mule, all of this makes better sense. The volume that we're talking about is necessary in order to entice people. We need to see that more people are interested in the token, number one. Number two, if we don't have sell behavior, we don't really have inventory if it's all in circulation. If we don't have buy behavior, we don't have liquidity. So you, it's, a, it's a balance. All of it's in play. What's happening right now is that volume's low. There are less people doing transactions because it's a bear season from my perspective. They're not actively giving their money to these causes, to these cryptos, because for whatever reason, they don't feel like they should have to. They don't feel like they should need to. Whatever their logic or reason, they're not actually transacting. And because there's no transactions, there's less in the pool. You could have people who are selling off because they want to get Christmas presents, selling off because they want to get ready for tax season, like with Elon Musk and selling off his shares, same thing. All There's countless motivations. The point is, it's not specific to your project. It's not exclusive to your crypto. It is the season, and it's all of them. So you're going to see these one-offs, that bucket, but they're just short pumps. They're not going to sustain. Santa Coin, right now, it was spiking up to like 70-something percent, but it's a pump, and it's right back down to 30% doesn't mean that it's not good. It's good, but it's not sustained. There's a difference. And so when you can't, when you look at the graph and you can't reconcile why your crypto's not going to the moon, you have to understand there's more to it than just saying it. And there's more to it than believing it. 
You have to be patient. As which I will summarize with this. It, that's the reason people say buy the dip. Because they know that most projects that you've already vetted as strong projects are going to eventually go back up. And the more you have in stake, the easier it is in order to deal with this. If you just treat the red as a discount, think of any store situation. You have some product that's a, a video game, right? You have some video game and it's normally $59.99. But every now and then they'll send you an email that says, hey, this is on sale for $30. It doesn't mean that the game's not popular. It means they're trying to entice more sales. They're trying to get more people to buy it because they have excess inventory that they need to get rid of. And so they'll do a sale or they just want to reignite interest in a product that has gone stale. Everybody's frustration about games on from Nintendo and the fact that they don't offer significant discounts. Well, it doesn't stop them from selling, but they also don't sell nearly as much as the ones that have frequent discounts like horizon zero dawn. You got to understand the way that, this all works. It's Econ 101 that you have to have some driver from both sides, the, the buyer and the seller. And sometimes there are seasonal things that cause them not to make those decisions for whatever reason. And it's going to happen and it'll pass. But treat it as a discount when it's down. When you treat it as a discount, your stake, your holdings increase. So when it goes back up, you're in a higher position, number one. Number two, you are helping contribute to the volume that helps everybody in the project. When you have people that don't buy on the red and they sell on the red, you're actually hurting your project because what you're doing is you're selling and you're giving liquidity and that's cool. But now there's an excess of inventory and when there's an excess of inventory, it's not good because now you have to bring the price down in order to entice more people to buy into it. That's the game of this. And that's what you have to, train your psychology to understand is buy when it's red presumably sell when it's green but you can hold when it's green that's fine but certainly buy when it's red if you have spare money even a little bit of money buy when it's red and train yourself not to be conditioned to freak out when it's red even when it's that one person that i'm down 70 percent i don't care Buy when it's red because you're creating a position and your position hasn't changed because, closing note, you haven't lost anything unless you sold. Thank you.